God is good. Amen. Amen. Today, I have a word for you from the Lord. I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter two. Luke is after Mark, which is after Matthew, which is in the New Testament. It's the portion of the Bible everyone reads. New Testament. That was a joke. Wasn't that funny, but it's okay. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad to see you today. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm glad to see you too. (laughs) If you don't know who they are, make sure to say, hi, my name is, you know, I'm glad to see you. They're like, okay, this is awkward. (laughs) If you're taking notes today, the title of today's message is called Finding Jesus. Finding Jesus. Jesus. Uh, This past weekend, I had the honor of preaching at the uh, Emmaus Campus Ministry. That's the College Ministry of New Philadelphia Church. Um, They had a a spring retreat. They have a retreat in the fall and in the spring because they minister primarily to English-speaking exchange students. So they come every like four months, every six months. And the retreat was called the Scandalous Love Retreat. Scandal. Yeah, if you can imagine a retreat with a bunch of college students called Scandalous Love. No one was thinking about Jesus. We had to establish early on this Scandalous Love retreat is about Jesus. You know, (laughs) it was such a powerful, powerful time. Uh, So many students came. We had a ton of students who had never heard uh, the voice of God before never experienced God's presence. The love of God was a concept to them, you know, as it is, I'm sure for many of you, you know, God loves me. Sure. Cool. Put it on a t-shirt, but what does it really mean? Actually living in it, experiencing it, it changing your life. A lot of these college students, they, they didn't have a grid for God actually loving them and experiencing God's love in a real way. And at this retreat, God encountered them so powerfully. Um, There were so many students that came and, you know, at the beginning of the retreat, they were giving me like the Susie side eye, you know, they all of them just didn't want to hear what I had to say. But then over the course of the retreat, you know, it wasn't my words that did it. Really, it's the love of God, because It's God that pours out his spirit and turns a hardened heart to a heart of flesh, a softened heart. It's not anything that man can do. When you come into this place and you're seeking to have a change of heart, God's really the only one that can do it. He can do it through people, but ultimately it's God. And he was encountering these students so powerfully. There was this one uh, girl, her name was Ingrid, and she's been coming out to Emmaus here and there. She was there when I preached at the first large group. And, you know, she was coming, she comes out faithfully, but she's not a Christian. 
So she doesn't she doesn't believe in Jesus, but she just thought everyone was kind of weird and quirky and kind of cool. So she was like, I'll keep coming out. I got nothing better to do on, on Tuesday nights. So I'll come out to their large groups when they would meet. And so she would come out and then she ended up coming to the retreat. And so, you know, I'm preaching, I'm preaching about Jesus. I'm preaching about the incarnation and, and she's sitting there and she's listening. And she, half the time she looked really confused. Like what? Like God becoming a man. What? Huh? God, what? You know? And from her background, she's, uh, she's Roman Catholic, but she told everyone she's Roman Catholic, but really the background's atheist. So it's like, there's no God. And, and so she was saying like in her country where she grew up that everyone says that they're Catholic, but the truth of the matter is, is that everyone's really atheist. We got a lot of people like that in the church. You know, I believe in God. I'm Christian, but then day to day, there's not really a God. And so this was kind of her situation. And I preached. And in that first, that first uh, session at the end, we did an altar call uh, for people to experience the presence of God. Like if you wanted to experience God's presence, to know that he's with you, know he's near you, stand to your feet. And I could see her because I was standing on stage. And she, she, she kind of does like, she kind of gets up a little bit, but then she goes back down. I was like, is she working out? Like she doing squats? What is she doing? You know? And, uh, and she sits back down and then, and then I felt God put on my heart that there were people that really wanted it, but there's something holding them back. And she's just sitting there and she's just kind of like this. And then I feel God put two people on my heart and I was like, you know, I want, I feel like God wants to, to want us to pray for someone. And we find out the story later. She's sitting there like, please don't choose me. Please don't choose me. Please don't choose me. Please don't choose me. And I'm like, Ingrid, come up. And she's like, dang it. You know, fake it, you know, (laughs) I'm happy. I'm so happy you called my name. So we come up and and myself and Pastor Aaron, we pray for her. And um, and she's we just we just speak God's love over her. Like we weren't saying like, you know, you're you're, you don't believe in Jesus. You got all these things that God wants to change and blah, blah, blah. You know, we just like, you know, Ingrid, God really loves you. He really loves you. It's a very true statement. And so we're just speaking that over her and she's just kind of like, you know, she's taking it in. Next service comes and then they do feet washing and, and she's crying during when they're washing her feet. Like all these different things happen. And then at the end, um, the last service I preach on the cross. And like I said, like, you know, there are students that were kind of doing this. But at the very last service, all the students come up and they all get prayer. And everyone, like even the ones who are giving me the Susie stink eye. And I was just, they were all crying like babies because <laughs> God was touching them so powerfully. They're experiencing God's love in a personal way. But Ingrid is something really special because someone went over to pray for her and they start praying for her. And then they're like, wait, Ingrid, do you want to receive Christ in your heart? Do you want to really put your faith in this Savior? And she's like, yeah. Yeah. She's like all excited. She's like, let's do this. She prays the prayer and just God's God's love just comes over her. And she still got a lot to walk out, but it was so awesome because she came in atheist and she left a child in the kingdom of God. Come on, let's give God some praise for that.
I realize for many of us in the church, we've numbed our hearts to this, this concept of salvation. But you've got to understand that when a person goes from, it's not a person goes from atheist to Christian. They go from death to life. Their lives are completely changed. And that's worth celebrating. But yeah, this message today, I want to talk to you something God was speaking to me earlier this week. And then he, he really was speaking to me a lot about it at the retreat. Um, this concept, this notion of finding Jesus. I want us to look at, at, at Luke chapter 2. We're going to read from verses uh, 41 <coughs> to 51. And so how about you read the odd, I'll read the even, and then we'll read verse 51 all together. All right, one, two, three, she jot. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to him and all together. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for salvation. We celebrate the work that you did this past weekend in the lives of so many college students, God. Uh, many who came in apathetic, broken, in need of your touch, in need of your personal healing. And God, you were so faithful to encounter them. Father, we thank you, Lord, that here today, God, you desire to encounter us. Here in this place, God, you, you desire for us to find you. For us to be found by you. For us to have a living relationship with you, God, that changes our entire lives that gives us a grid in which we do everything father we thank you for your love we thank you for your son it's in jesus name i pray amen so i want to give you some context for this passage it's passover you know it's easter time it's like last week and you have mary and joseph you know who mary and joseph are right they are the parents of Jesus, right? You've seen them in the nativity scenes. You know, you've seen Mary. She's always looks so nice. You've seen Joseph. He always looks so nice. And you see the baby Jesus, you know, God incarnate coming to earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For some reason, anytime I talk about baby Jesus, I always do this. <laughs> he was not a T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary and Mary becomes pregnant and she gives birth to this son. And this baby's name is Jesus. And Jesus is set apart to be the Messiah. And 
they raise Jesus. Mary and Joseph, they raise Jesus. You know, they, Jesus is a baby. And then for the next 12 years, they raise him. You know, they wipe the snot from his nose. They, cl- they, they clean his diapers. Most of us don't imagine Jesus like that, right? We just think Jesus was born like a full-grown man. Just <laughs> be healed. No, no, it wasn't like that. For 12 years, Mary and Joseph, they, they, they gave life to Jesus. They taught him. They nursed him. They nurtured him. For 12 years, Jesus grew and they grew with him. You know, when Jesus is born into your life, he doesn't he doesn't just come in and it's all of a sudden, boom, like full grown man. Actually, it takes time. Your walk with Jesus, it begins to grow progressively over time. In the beginning, you start off like a baby with Jesus. And then over time, you begin to mature with him. Jesus begins to grow and you begin to grow with him. Jesus begins to grow in your heart. Maybe not on the outside, but in your heart, he begins to grow. It starts off just like a small seed. And he grows in us over time. And so Mary and Joseph, they've got Jesus. He's been born of the Holy Spirit. He's the Messiah. He's the son of God. And so Passover comes and as the custom is, they go. They go up to the temple on Passover. Like most Christians, at least in the West, you know, at least on Easter, I'm going to go to church. Or at least around Easter. I maybe missed Easter this year. I'll go next week. At least Christmas I'll go, you know. Passover comes. And so the custom is for them to make the trip from Nazareth all the way up to Jerusalem. And so they go up to Jerusalem. They go up to the temple. They give their sacrifice. They pray their prayers. Jesus is there with them. And then it's time to go home. It's time to go home. And so they all get together and they all begin to leave. And a day passes and a day passes. And then all of a sudden. Mary's like, hold on, hold on. Jesus. Oh, snap, Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. We've lost the savior. We have lost him. You know, I can imagine if I was Mary or Joseph, I would have been freaking out. You know, if I was Joseph, I would have been bursting through everyone's tent. Like just just everyone's. Is Jesus up in here? Is Jesus up in here? Where's he at? Where's he at? Jesus. Jesus. This is Joseph. I'm I'm not your daddy, but I'm kind of like your daddy. Come here. You know. They lose Jesus. How do you lose Jesus? Well, I'll give you some context to Passover. They go up and they give their sacrifices at Passover. They give their sacrifices. But whenever people went up to the temple for Passover, it was a large gathering. Everyone, all the Jewish people in the entire area, in, in all of Israel, would go to Jerusalem for Passover. And so when they went up, there were crowds of people. It wasn't like just Mary and Joseph and Jesus holding hands, going to church. They were surrounded by hundreds of people. It was a chaotic time. And then after that, when they're leaving, it's so much chaos. There's so much going on and they're about they're leaving because there's so much going on all around them. They lose sight of Jesus. You know, for many of us. 
when there's so much going on in our lives. You know, we can go up to the temple, we can go to church on Sunday, but when we leave on Monday, there's so many things that are going on in our lives. And before we know it, we've lost sight of Jesus. Before we know it, we've lost sight of who Jesus is and is is he really with me and is he really walking beside me? And before we know it, we've lost him. You ever went through a crisis? You ever went through a time where you were just really, really busy? You've got so much going on in your life. You're stressed out. You've got to think about all these different things. That was Mary and Joseph. They didn't just have to worry about Jesus. They had to worry about all their friends, all their relatives. There are all these different things going on around them. And then all of a sudden they realize that they've lost the most important thing to them. See, in our lives, a lot of times we get we get bombarded with with so many different things, right? Whether it's our our careers, our our work, our health, it's our family, our friends. It's all these different things that start happening all around us. And and we begin to look everywhere. But before we know it, we've lost sight of Jesus. I think about the times in my life where I go through crises. I'm really stressed out. I've got so much going on. And the first thing that suffers is not my it's not my work. It's not my health. It's not my relationships with people. The first thing that suffers is my relationship with Jesus. Before I know it, I'm I'm so much. There's this distance that I begin to feel. He feels further away. Everything else in my life is going right. Everything was going right for Mary and Joseph when they were leaving. And it took them an entire day to realize that Jesus was gone. Sometimes we can have so much going on in our lives that we don't realize we've lost Jesus until some time has passed. We look at our spiritual walk. We look at our relationships with people. We look at at what's really going going on in our lives. And then all of a sudden we realize, wait, where's the most important thing? I meet so many people who come up and they say, you know, I, I want to love Jesus like I used to. I I wish I had the same relationship I had with him when I was younger. I've heard about this Jesus. I've, I've talked, I've, I've, I used to pray with him so much, but now it seems like we're days, months, years apart. You know, I believe Satan makes us busy. To cause us to lose sight of Jesus. I believe Satan, we get attacked with in our health because it causes us to lose sight of Jesus. In our relationships, in our family, all these crises that take place, it causes us to lose sight of Jesus. And the scary thing was, is that they didn't realize that they had lost Jesus until a day had passed. Meaning that they ate. They drank. They probably sang a song or two. They took a nap. They lived their lives day to day as they normally did, but didn't realize that Jesus was not with them all along. Is that is that what your life looks like right now? Everything's really normal. Everything seems really good, but Jesus is nowhere around. 
it's when crises hit that we really, that's a lot of times where we lose sight of Jesus. That's the first thing that happens. So they realize they lose Jesus, right? They realize that this, all these things are taking place, but Jesus is not with me. And so where, where do they go? If you can look. Verse 44, it says actually that Jesus, when they left, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And it says that after a day's journey, the parents supposing him to be in the group. They went for a day's journey. They realized that he wasn't there. And then they go and they search with their friends and relatives. You know, a lot of times when crises hit, a lot of times when things start happening in our lives, the first per, the first place we go is to our friends and our relatives. Looking for Jesus. They went to they went to their cousins, you know, they went to Mary's cousin, Ray Ray. They were like, Ray Ray, have you seen Jesus? They went to their friends. You know, a lot of times when crises hit, we don't go to the house of God. We go to our friends. A lot of times we go to our friends that don't even know God. You know, the crises has hit. All these things have happened and we've lost sight of Jesus. We've lost sight of the one who will give us peace, the one who will give us wholeness, the one who will really pour into our lives. And the place where we go is to our friends and relatives looking for Jesus. And I'm not saying that going to your friends and family is bad by no means. But Jesus isn't there. They go and they they're looking around with their friends and their family and they're saying where they're, they're looking. Is Jesus here? Is Jesus here? You know, they're moving camels out the way. Is Jesus back here? No. They're looking talking to their friends and their relatives, the people that they've been close to all this time. And and they're hoping they'll give me some solace. They'll let me know that Jesus is there. But still, Jesus isn't there. So then they decide, OK. Let's go back to Jerusalem. They go back to Jerusalem and they search all throughout Jerusalem for three days. They search all throughout Jerusalem for three days and they still can't find them until all of a sudden Mary stops and she says, wait. The last place we would check is the temple. And then they go into the temple and there's there's boy Jesus, there's 12 year old Jesus just chilling. He's teaching the he's teaching the people there. 12-year-old Jesus is that wise that he's teaching everyone there. And he walks and she walks in. And <clears throat> here's the interesting thing. And here's the revelation I really want you to get today. Is oftentimes the place where we should find Jesus is oftentimes the place where we lose him. The place where we should find Jesus, the place where we should encounter Jesus, the place where we should have the biggest encounter that changes our life is actually, for many of us, the place where we've lost him. She goes into the house of God. She comes into the house of God and there's Jesus and Jesus was there the entire time. In fact, Jesus stayed there. See, many times we leave and we go on our own journeys and we do our own thing. But Jesus stayed in the house of God. And and 
I want you to see Mary's heart when she encounters Jesus. She doesn't come up to Jesus and say, I'm so glad I found you. I'm so glad, Jesus, that I finally found you. She doesn't like pick him up and kiss him on the face. Jesus. No, she doesn't. When she walks up to Jesus, here's what she says. She says. It says that when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Your parents have been looking everywhere for you and we are in great distress. You know, when we lose Jesus, but we come back to the house of God and we find him, the attitude of our heart isn't, I'm so glad I found you, Jesus. It's usually, Jesus, why did you leave me? Jesus, I was going through so much. I was going through such a hard time. Jesus, where were you? Jesus, I was going through this struggle. I was going through this crisis. I was worn out. I was tired. I was stressed. And Jesus, I was looking for you everywhere, but I couldn't find you. Jesus, why did you treat me like that? And we hold so much bitterness against God because we think that God's abandoned us. We think that God left us behind. But the truth is that Mary and Joseph left Jesus. Jesus didn't leave them. He says, wait, he doesn't say woman. This is one of the one places where he doesn't call his mom woman. It's interesting. He never says mother to Mary. Like my mom would totally smack me if I was ever like woman. He says, why were you looking for me? You know, peace, satisfaction, joy, provision, relationship, all these things in life, they're found primarily in the person of Jesus. That's where they're found. He is the ultimate provision. He is the ultimate satisfaction. He is the ultimate one that provides for all our needs. It says that God will provide for all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God is the one who gives us peace. Jesus is our prince of peace. But he says, why were you looking for me? Mary, why were you searching everywhere else for me except for in the father's house? When crises hit and things happen in our lives, we look everywhere else for comfort except for in the house of God. When we go through tough times, we look everywhere else except for in the house of God. And then at our last resort, we come to Jesus and then we say, Jesus, why did you abandon me? But Jesus says, wait, why were you looking for me? You knew where to find me. You knew where you could come and get peace again. You knew where you could come and find life. You knew where you could come and get all your needs met again. It's here in this house. And actually that word for house. The house of God, the oikos of God in the Greek. It doesn't just mean a house. It actually means household. Family. Why were you looking for me elsewhere? Didn't you not know that you could find me in the family of God? 
in my father's house, in my father's household. You know, the place where you find rest, the place where you find breakthrough, the place where you find God bringing and meeting all your needs, it's not going to be outside. It's going to be in the house of God. And we can search and we can look all over. And we can, and even when we realize that Jesus is far off, we still sometimes we look in other places hoping we'll find something that'll be good enough. But at the end of the day, where you're going to find him is here. You know, you can run and you can continue to look elsewhere. But it's here where you're going to find it. When I became a Christian, I grew up, I was around a lot of people who said that all you need is Jesus, right? That it's just you and Jesus, you and Jesus, you and Jesus. But that mindset over time, I realized that when crises hit, I lost Jesus. And then all of a sudden, when crises hit, I would still I would turn to the things that I used to turn to. I knew Jesus. Jesus had been growing inside of me. He had been growing with me. It was like Mary and Joseph, like that relationship had been nurtured. It was being it was continually growing. But. Whenever stuff got really busy. Or I got really anxious. Or things in my life started to really get down, I would turn back to the same things I used to turn to. I turn back to lust, turn back to to sleeping around, turn back to alcohol. And I would be searching and searching and searching and searching. And and even in the back of my mind, knowing that at the end of the day, there's only one place where I'm going to get everything I need. And then when I when I would come back to God, my heart towards God would always be bitter, always angry. Angry at God, as if it was God's fault that I lost him. That it was God's fault that I somehow had lost sight of him. It's not that you lose him, because never will he leave you, never will he forsake you. The truth is, we lose sight of him. We lose sight of the fact that he's with us. We lose sight of the fact that he's desiring to move into our lives. We lose sight of his goodness. We lose sight of Jesus. But it was when he brought me back into the house of God, when he brought me into his household, when I was surrounded with his people and him. All of a sudden. Things begin to change. All of a sudden, my heart began to become full again. And I begin to get peace again. You know, when Mary, when Jesus said that to Mary, Mary didn't have a response. But it said Jesus left and he went with her to Nazareth. And it said Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Her heart was full. That that brokenness, that anxiety, that distress that she was carrying all that time. When she had found Jesus, her heart was full again. 
That's what God's desiring to do for many of you. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you because many of you have have been coming out. You've been coming to New Philly. You've been coming to New Philly, Itaewon. And you've been searching for Jesus. But it's not been searching for him completely here. It's been outside as well. But you're going to find him here. You're going to find him here in this household. You're going to find him here with the people. You're going to find him here in this house. Maybe in the past you've lost him or you've lost sight of him because of something that's happened in the church. Like I said, the place where we often lose him is the place where we need to find him. A lot of people turn away. They fall away from the church because of some offense or something that happened in the church. And Satan uses that because he knows that this is the place where you're going to find Jesus. So he often attacks this place to make sure that this will be the place where you're the most offended. This will be the place where you're the most hurt. But this is the place where you will be the most healed. This will be the place where you are restored. This will be the place where no matter what has happened to you, maybe in your youth, maybe as as a young adult, maybe even a year or two ago, whatever has happened to you in the past in the church. It's here in the church. Where Jesus is going to make you whole again. It won't be outside. The world can't fix the church's problems. It's only Jesus that can. And he does it in this place. Let's pray together.